Let's prepare our hearts and minds for worship and pray together. We do not presume to come to your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own goodness, but in your all-embracing love and mercy. We are not worthy even to gather up the crumbs under your table, but it is your nature always to have mercy. So feed us with the body and blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, that we may forever live in him and he in us. Amen. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. The peace of Christ be with you. Our help is in the name of the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us glorify God who created all things, yet who hears and responds to the cries of the weak and the needy. Proclaim the glory of God, ruler over all nations, whose greatness is revealed in gracious and loving acts. Let us worship and witness so faithfully that future generations will believe and glorify God in their hearts and with their lives. We worship and praise God with thanksgiving in our hearts. Come, let us worship. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, we propose to celebrate together, with the help of God, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper this Lord's Day. We come to the table to commune with our Lord. We come in awe and reverence. For the place where we stand is holy ground. Here the Lord offers us the manna of life. If we are to experience this celebration with our Lord and be nourished by the Spirit, let us examine ourselves first, then eat the bread and drink from the cup. The benefit is great if with penitent hearts and living faith we receive the Lord's Supper. Let us acknowledge our sin before our merciful God with full intention of amending our lives. Let us make restitution for all injuries and wrongs done to others. Let us forgive those who have offended us as we ourselves have been forgiven. All children of the covenant be reconciled with one another and then come joyfully to the banquet so that you may experience assurance of God's pardon and strengthening of your faith. Let us pray. Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us amend what we are and direct what we shall be so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ, and Christ died for us, Christ rose for us, Christ reigns in power for us, Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life has gone, a new life has begun. Know that you are forgiven and be at peace. Thanks be to God.
God calls us to faithful living with the words of the Decalogue found in your bulletin. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God with whom you, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not testify falsely against your neighbor. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we come to the reading of God's word, let us pray. Lift up your hearts, let us lift them to the Lord our God. Guide us, O Lord, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The first lesson, the word of the Lord from Psalm 1, the call of the holy. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. Second lesson. The word of the Lord from Revelations chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. The tree of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and there will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. The third lesson comes to us according from the gospel according to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. The Friends of Christ. 
I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. And you have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. On this, the second Sunday of Lent, I'd like to discuss with you the nature, the discipline of vocation. Vocation for us as Christians has little to do, uh, immediately anyway, with what we do for our work or our job or our career. Our vocation as Christians is our calling to be the man or woman of God that God wants us to be. And the passages that we have read this morning speak of this whole idea of branches attached to a greater body, whether it be the vine or the trunk of the tree. The idea, of course, is that when there is a plant or a tree that is alive, it bears fruit. If it doesn't, typically we do what? We cut it down. We get rid of it and plant something new. Today, as we read the passage in John, what was the one word that kept repeating itself? Do you remember? Abide. Abide, over and over again. What does that word mean? We don't use that word very much. So we have to talk about what that word means. What does it mean to abide? Hmm? To be with you. Hmm? Okay. To do something. To be with something. Hmm? Obey. Believe. Hmm? Aha. To be attached to the root. Phyllis, what did you say? To live in something, okay? To abide is to live in something, okay? All very good synonyms for this word abide. When Jesus says to us that he wishes for us to abide in him as I abide in you, how do we understand that? How do we abide in Jesus because Jesus abides in us? Because Jesus stayed with me all my life. Okay? So I'm being accompanied by Jesus throughout whatever happens to me. I am finding myself in relationship to Jesus on a daily basis throughout the various and 
diverse circumstances of life. And so how am I to then abide in Jesus? It's a little harder. To follow his footsteps. Okay. If I were to ask you how you abide with your children or your relatives, your parents, your cousins, your aunts and uncles, how might you respond to that question? Caring? To be with them? Spend time with them? Be in the same place that they are? Okay, all very good ways of understanding this abiding. Now I'd like to rock your boat a little bit, so hang on. If you were a mystic and you read this passage, you would think there's something woo-woo about this word abide. That somehow or other as a Christian, there's something about abiding in Jesus that requires some kind of spiritual aptitude or ability. That abiding in Jesus is somehow some kind of spiritual state in which I live in or don't live in. But let me ask you something. What does it mean for a branch to abide in the vine? It simply means that the branch is connected to the vine. To abide simply means I am connected. To abide means that I have a relationship with this vine that gives me the life that enables me to be fruitful. Okay? It is a very clear biological process. And if I cut off, the vine, cut off the branch from the vine, the branch dies and it gets thrown into the trash or gets burned. There's no more fruit on a branch that is not connected to the tree or the vine. The fruitfulness becomes the evidence that I am connected to the life of the vine or the tree. And so this abiding in Christ is a connection to Christ that makes me fruitful in spiritual things. How do I measure whether I'm abiding in Christ? Whether how I see, how I act, how I behave, how I decide, are all influenced by my convictions as something Christ would do or want. It's obedience. So abiding in Christ not only is being connected to Christ, it is obeying Christ's will. In the end of this passage in John, Jesus says, 
Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. That is a very, very powerful statement. You can do nothing if you are apart from Christ. And yet so much of our lives is lived not conscious of the fact that Jesus Christ is living in us. Think in terms of any day this past week. How often in the course of any one of those days were you aware that you were standing or sitting or working or speaking in the presence of Christ? Or that Christ was beside you? How conscious were you of that? I wonder if a branch attached to a vine is conscious that it is part of the vine itself. You see, so much of our understanding of our relationship to Christ has been affected by the piety of the church, that we lose a very, very important piece of the truth of what we believe. And that is that being connected to Christ means being connected to the source of life and does not require a constant consciousness that somehow or other I'm a spiritual person or that the Spirit of God or the presence of Christ is with me. I want to ask you a simple question. How many times in the past week did you think about having to breathe? Did any of you ever think about having to breathe? Maybe if you had a cold or congestion. But how many of us have to remember to breathe? It's ridiculous. It's an involuntary response. And yet, the Spirit of Christ is the breath of divine life. In the fact that we breathe, we are spiritual beings. It is difficult to understand sometimes that simply being a human being means that we breathe the life of God in us every moment that we are alive. By the very definition of dead, we mean someone who no longer does what? Breathes. Do not breathe is to not be alive. To not be breathing, to not be alive every day, is to not be spiritual. So, how often the past week have you been spiritual? How many times this past week did you breathe? Understanding that our humanness is one and the same with our spirituality is a very significant piece of what Jesus is trying to teach us. This is not just some magical woo-woo relationship. This is a very earthbound biological connection that says, if you are breathing, if you are alive, you are alive because of me. 
That's all you need to know. And our vocation, our calling, if you will, is not to be something other than who we are. The fruit that we are supposed to bear is the fruit of what it means to be a human being in relationship to other human beings. Of course it means being kind and generous and thoughtful and self-controlled, all of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, all those things that makes us a civil, makes us a, a, a considerate, makes us a person who can live with other people in peace. But this whole idea of being in Christ, abiding in Christ, is a matter of being human. It's a matter of being what we are called to be. It's a matter of being called Emily, or Michael, or Alice, or Jasper, or Thomas, or James. It's being called who we are and to be that person to our fullest on a daily basis. Today we're going to ordain Michael Van Glan and Emily Mount and Alice Beals to the offices of deacon and elder, respectively. In that ordination, we are asking that the Spirit of God grant them the discernment, the understanding, the wisdom that comes with living out their faith amidst our, our lives together as a community of faith. But they are not going to be super-Christians. They are not going to be super-duper uh, powerful people. But nothing's going to change from the minute they kneel to the minute they stand, except for one thing that we will recognize in them the life of Christ that abides in all of us and enables each and every one of us to be fruitful, to be productive, to be in relationship with each other. Because being called to be Christians is being called to be the family, the community of God. Let us pray. We ask, O Spirit, O God, that you make yourself manifest in our midst today, not by some kind of supernatural event or happenstance, but rather by the very concrete reality that our very breath is our life. And that that life comes from within us because you dwell in us and call us into relationship with yourself and with each other. We ask in a special way your blessing upon Michael and Emily and Alice and ask, O oh Lord, that this word from John's Gospel today. Abide with us. Stay with us. Fill our minds for a while and enable us to understand, perhaps in a new way, our life with you.
and our life with each other. We ask this in Christ's name, who loved us and gave himself for us. Amen. At this time, I'd like to call forward Michael and Alice and Emily, please. If you'll take seats in the front pew, please. Beloved in the Lord, we have come to ordain these elders and deacons in Christ's holy church. Christ alone is the source of all Christian ministry, through the ages calling men and women to serve. By the Holy Spirit, all who believe and are baptized receive a ministry to witness to Jesus as Savior and Lord, and to love and serve those with whom they live and work. We are ambassadors for Christ, who reconciles and makes whole. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Following Christ's resurrection and ascension, God has given the church apostles, prophets, and teachers, deeds of power, gifts of healing, forms of assistance and leadership. And we stand within a tradition where God calls and empowers deacons, elders, and ministers of word and sacrament. This congregation has elected the following people to the offices of deacon and elder. Michael von Glan and Emily Mount to the office of deacon. Alice Beals to the office of elder. Deacons and elders are called to serve as Christ served. And we look to them to be people of spiritual commitment, exemplary life, compassionate spirit, and sound judgment. Deacons are set apart for a ministry of mercy, service, and outreach. They gather gifts and offerings, care for them faithfully, and distribute them with wisdom and compassion to persons in need and for purposes that advance God's kingdom on earth. Deacons visit and comfort the distressed, provide for whatever necessities may arise, and assist the congregation at services of worship. Elders are set apart for a ministry of watchful and responsible care for the welfare and order of the church. They have oversight of all members, including one another, the deacons and the ministers, equipping everyone to live in harmony with God's word. They ensure the word of God is rightly proclaimed and taught and that the sacraments are faithfully administered Elders assist the minister with good counsel and serve all Christians with advice, consolation, and encouragement. Elders and deacons, together with the minister, form the consistory to lead God's people in proclaiming good news to the poor, righteousness to the nations, and peace among all. The consistory provides for the welfare of the church, stewardship of property and finance, and the spiritual benefit and growth of all Christ's people. As the three offices of deacon, elder, and minister of word and sacrament are united in Christ, so also in the church one office is not separate from the others. The minister of word and sacrament does not serve without the elder and neither without the deacon. Together they enable the whole mission of the church. Everything in the church will be done decently, and in order. When faithful persons 
are called to office and responsibly fulfill their charge. I'd like to ask the three of you to stand, please. Brothers and sisters, before Almighty God in the presence of this congregation, answer sincerely the following questions. Do you confess together with us, the Church throughout the ages, your faith in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? If so, say yes, truly, with all my heart. Yes, truly, with all my heart. Let us stand. You will find the words of the Apostles' Creed in your bulletin, and let us confess our faith using these words. Together, confessing, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He is seated in heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may all be seated. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. the congregation may be seated. Michael, Emily, and Alice, do you believe in your heart that you were called by Christ Church and therefore by God to this office? If so, say yes, truly, with all my heart. Do you believe the books of the Old and New Testaments to be the word of God and the perfect doctrine of salvation, rejecting all contrary beliefs? If so, say yes, truly, with all my heart. Will you be diligent in your study of Holy Scripture and in your use of the means of grace? Will you pray for God's people and lead them by your own example in faithful service and holy living? If so, say, I will, and ask God to help me. Will you accept the Church's order and governance, submitting to ecclesiastical discipline, should you become delinquent in either life or doctrine? If so, say, I will, and I ask God to help me. Will you be loyal to the witness and work of the Reformed Church in America? This congregation, using all your abilities to further its Christian mission here and throughout the world. If so, say, I will, and I ask God to help me. Michael and Emily, as deacons, will you faithfully, diligently, and cheerfully manifest Christ's love and care, gather and distribute the offerings of God's people, visit and comfort the distressed, minister to the poor and needy, and strive to advance God's reign of justice and peace. If so, say, I will, and I ask God to help me. Alice, as elder, will you faithfully, diligently, and cheerfully study God's word, oversee the household of faith, encourage spiritual growth, 
maintain loving discipline and provide for the proclamation of the gospel and the celebration of the sacraments, if so say I will, and I ask God to help me. Okay. At this time, anyone in the congregation who has ever been ordained as a deacon or an elder, whether you have served actively on consistory or not, please come forward to lay hands on these officers. Let us pray. God of grace, pour out your Holy Spirit, gentle as a dove, burning as fire, upon Michael, and fill him with grace and power for the ministry of deacon. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let us pray. God of grace, pour out your Holy Spirit, gentle as a dove, burning as fire, upon Emily, and fill her with grace and power for this ministry of deacon. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let us pray. God of grace, pour out your Holy Spirit, gentle as a dove, burning as fire, upon Alice, and fill her with grace and power for the ministry of elder. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the only head of the church, I declare that Michael, Emily, and Alice are ordained to the office of deacon, deacon, and elder. To the glory of Jesus Christ and to the furtherance of his church in our world. And all God's people said, Amen. Congratulations. God bless you. At this time, I would like to ask the assistance of our elders and deacons in the taking up of the morning offering. Our opportunity every Sunday to share in the work of God, in the life of our church, in the life of our community, in the life of our world, in our giving of tithes, offerings, and gifts. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Supper which we are about to celebrate is a feast of remembrance, of communion, and of hope. We come in remembrance that our Lord Jesus Christ was sent to the Father into the world to assume our flesh and blood and to fulfill for us all obedience to the divine law, even to the bitter and shameful death of the cross. By his death, resurrection, and ascension, he established a new and eternal covenant of grace and reconciliation that we might be accepted of God and never be forsaken by him. We come to have communion with this same Christ, who has promised to be with us always, even to the end of the world. In the breaking of the bread, he makes himself known to us as the true heavenly bread that strengthens us unto life eternal. In the cup of blessing, he comes to us as the vine, in whom we must abide if we are to bear fruit. We come in hope, believing that this bread and this cup are a pledge and foretaste of the feast of love of which we shall partake when his kingdom has fully come, when with unveiled face we shall behold him, made like unto him in his glory. Since by his death and resurrection and ascension Christ has obtained for us the life-giving spirit who unites us all in one body, so are we to receive this supper in true love, mindful of the communion of saints. Let us stand and sing the first and last verses of number 249 in the Green Hymnal.
All those who are baptized into Christ and who confess Jesus Christ as Lord are welcome at this table. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Come, for all is now ready. Let us pray. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Holy and right it is in our joyful duty to give thanks to you at all times and in all places, O Lord, our Creator, almighty and everlasting God. You created heaven with all its hosts and the earth with all its plenty. You have given us life and being and preserve us by your providence. But you have shown us the fullness of your love in sending into the world your Son, Jesus Christ, the eternal Word, made flesh for us and for our salvation. We give you thanks for Jesus Christ, our Lord, by whose grace we may triumph over temptation, be more fervent in prayer, and be more generous in love. And with your whole church on earth and with all the company of heaven, we worship and adore your glorious name. Most righteous God, we remember in this supper the perfect sacrifice offered once on the cross by our Lord Jesus Christ for the sin of the whole world. In the joy of his resurrection and in expectation of his coming again, we offer ourselves to you as holy and living sacrifices. Together we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Send your Holy Spirit upon us, we pray, that the bread which we break and the cup which we bless may be to us the communion of the body and blood of Christ, and grant that being joined together in him we may attain to the unity of the faith and grow up in all things into Christ our Lord. And as this grain has been gathered from many fields into one loaf and these grapes from many hills into one cup, grant, O Lord, that your whole church may soon be gathered from the ends of the earth into your kingdom. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus, on the same night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And gave it to them, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup. When they had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take and eat it unto the salvation of your souls. 